All right, we're in a series called On Your Mark. Somebody say, On Your Mark. Get set. Go. We've been in the book of Mark. I love going through chapter by chapter. I love going through verse by verse. How many know there's a lot of truth in the Bible that you may not see if you just uh, jump around? But when you say, I'm going to read an entire book, I'm going to go through the entire deal, I'm going to teach through every passage, you really open up yourself to, to what God would say to us. And how many know there's some difficult passages in the Bible? How many know there's some very difficult, how many like to skip those difficult passages? It's like my children would, would much rather eat Debbie cakes and pies than eat broccoli. And how many know even in the Christian life, we need to eat the broccoli? It's good. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be a regular Christian. Come on, tell them. You need to be a regular Christian. So verse by verse, book by book, precept by precept, really allows us to see the whole of what God is, is speaking. One of our core values of, as a church is the whole gospel in light of the whole gospel. I don't want half the gospel. I just want parts. I don't want my favorite parts. I want the whole gospel in light of the whole gospel. And so I, I thank you for hanging on with us this morning. I will admit to you that this passage we're going to dive into today took an entirely different twist than what I planned. Uh, been reading ahead, been planning, been studying, been thinking what the Lord would say to us in each passage, and I thought I had this one licked. I thought I had this one pegged, thought I had it nailed, exactly what I thought that the Lord wanted to say to us. And then this week while on vacation, the Lord began to uh, change that. And I was like, Lord, no, I'm on vacation. Don't change this. I'm on vacation. But he's like, yes, this is the way you're going to go. Now, let me warn you up front that this is very helpful and very needed. But this is not run around the building type stuff. I doubt David is going to get up and run around the building because he's so excited about this sermon. But it is very, very helpful and it is very, very encouraging. And I believe it will speak to everybody in the room. So can we be mature today? Can we be grown-up Christians today? And, and how many of you, uh, well, we don't raise your hand, but, but if you've not read your Bible this week, you're going to make up for it today because we're going to give you a great dose of Scripture. And my spiritual dad in the faith, Jim Free, says Bible hopping is better than bar hopping. I mean, no, that's true. So we're going to Bible hop today. So open your phones, open your whatever, tablets. Jared, my main man, is going to follow us. And we're going to read a lot of Scripture today. But how many know it's okay to read Scripture when you come to church? Is it okay to preach the Bible? Or should we preach out of Reader's Digest? What would you rather? I think you'd rather have the Bible. Mark chapter 8, we're going to jump down. We're going to start in verse 11. We're going to go through at least verse 21. And this is the title of the message, What's in Your Dough? What's in your dough? Is that the correct usage of that? Is that everything spelt right? Okay, thank you. <laughs> you never know <laughs> with me. What's in your dough? Would you just look at your neighbor and ask him and say, what's in your dough? Now, this is near and dear to my heart because when I was a, a youngster, when I was a young lad, I worked at a uh, pizza hut, a place that had a, it was a taco place and a pizza hut. And we would make pizza and we would get, it was my job to occasionally from time to time get the dough out of the, the freezer. That, that stuff comes in frozen if you don't know that. And I would have to put it in the proofer. You guys understand what the proofer is. There's a little thing in bread called yeast. And we're going to talk about that. But yeast causes things to rise and yeast is the uh, it's it's really a fungus if you didn't know that and it eats up and consumes all the sugar and it causes bread to be airy and fluffy and light it takes this big clob of dough and it makes it fluffy and we all enjoy bread how many of you like bread in the house now, I remember one time I put I don't know maybe a hundred pizzas in the proofer and we got really busy and I forgot about them and the next morning when they came in there's a monster growing there's a monster growing 
the, the bread had just exploded. And so too much leaven is what the Bible calls. This passage is about the leaven of the Pharisees. And leaven is another word for, really, for yeast. And again, it's the chemical, the thing in bread that makes the bread rise. It just takes a very small amount, a tiny little amount. How many of you have ever put too much yeast in some kind of something and it really exploded? Check this out on the screen. I want you to see what too much yeast can actually do. Check this out. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a happy little loaf. <laughs> but uh, that's what happens, and I don't know what goes on there. Yeah, that's what happens when you put too much yeast in the bread. How many of you are too young to even remember I Love Lucy? Dear me, we've got some young folks in this house. Yeah, Carrie, I don't believe that. But uh, so what we're going to talk about today is, is really the, you know, the, the leaven of the Pharisees. We're going to look at that. We're going to find out what that means, and then we're going to, going to talk about that together. Mark chapter 8, verse 11, we're going to read. I'm just going to read, and we're going to read together. Listen, you read with me, look at it, and then we're going to make some comments as we go. 
when the Pharisees heard Jesus had arrived, now just remember what had happened. This is right on the heels of Jesus feeding the 4,000. Jesus had went away to be on vacation, and uh, we saw him heal, heal the Syrophoenician woman who really didn't deserve to be healed. And then we see Jesus uh, doing other miracles, and then now he's going back uh, to this city, and the Pharisees heard that Jesus had, had arrived back in the city of Decapolis, and he had just fed the 4,000. So that's right on the heels of this miracle. He'd taken a few loaves. Somebody say loaves. He'd taken a few loaves and a few fish. Say a few fish. And he had fed the multitudes. So the Pharisees heard Jesus had arrived. They came and started to argue with him. Have you know, anytime there's a miracle, Satan will always come and argue with you about the miracle. He'll always come and try to talk you out of what just happened. So the Pharisees came and they began to argue with Jesus. That's not an argument. They're going to win. Can I have an amen? So they begin to argue, testing him. Notice this here. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority, as if feeding four to five to 6,000 people with a few fish and chips is not enough. But they were demanding some sort of Old Testament sign, some kind of prophetic sign, say this, this will happen, so forth and so on. So he, they were demanding that he show them a sign. When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. Have you ever heard something and it just grieved you and you know that that's not from God? You know that that doesn't bear witness with you? That is not the truth. I was, we were driving to our vacation uh, just last week and I, I was flipping through the radio and trying to find some stations and I heard something come on and I, it was kind of soft, couldn't really hear the music or the words, didn't know the song, but I left it on. And I knew, and I, and I kept it, kept it going. Next thing comes on, the announcer saying, "Welcome to whatever, whatever Christian station." I knew just by flipping the dial, because my spirit bears witness with the spirit of God. And when that radio station came on, I didn't know the song, didn't know what it was. It wasn't talking about Jesus, but I, I could tell something in my spirit clicked. That's of God. This is really, really important that we hear this this morning because we're going to talk about the leaven of the Pharisees, and we've got to know what is from the Lord and what is not. We live in a day when we've got to know that's God and that's not. I mean, just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's God. Just because it glitters doesn't mean that it's gold. The, the way that we know what is gold is by what is on the inside, the purity of the, the metal. So something can sound good. Something can appear shiny on the outside, but that doesn't mean that it is of the Lord. So Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding? Why do they keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign that they were demanding. Verse 13, he got back into the boat and left them. How many know sometimes you just got to leave negative people? Sometimes, now, if, if your husband or wife is negative, this is not permission to leave them, okay? Well, pastor said to leave negative people. Next time your husband complains about the meatloaf, you can't just leave him. Can I have an amen? But we need to, we need to avoid people that are speaking negatively in our life. It says he got back in the boat, left them, crossed the other side of the lake. And look at verse 14. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. Now, let me set this up for you. Let me tell you why this is such a big deal. The disciples forgot to bring any food. They had just fed the 4,000. The Bible says there were seven. Somebody say seven. There were seven baskets full left over of bread. Now, in the feeding of the 5,000, a few chapters earlier, a different event, they had 12 baskets left over, but those baskets were small, little baskets you could wear on your belt. This is an entirely different Greek word. This is like a hamper. Remember in the book of Acts when they let Paul down through the, the wall? 
and they hid him in a basket. This is that kind of basket. The disciples had seven baskets full of bread left over. But notice what happened. So they got back into the boat, and it says the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They left all that bread behind. They got so wrapped up and so caught up in what was going on that they had forgotten to bring lunch. And let me know, these 12 men were hungry. How many of you get grumpy when you're hungry? You all have seen those Snickers commercials where, you know, uh, somebody is totally different. It says, you're too hungry, and they give them a Snicker, and then they, you know, they go back to normal. So the disciples were apparently cranky, and they were having a bad day. The disciples forgot to bring any food. They only had one loaf of bread. Somebody say, one loaf with them in the boat. Look at verse 15. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them. Now notice this. Jesus warned them. He's listening. He's seeing what's going on. He's being observant. This is the first warning. He said, watch out. Somebody say, watch out. He said, watch out. Beware of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and of heaven. And at this, they begin to argue. They, the disciples begin to argue because they hadn't brought any bread. So Jesus is trying to teach them this valuable spiritual lesson. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the yeast, this little tiny portion that will go in and consume. Just like a small amount of yeast will work its way throughout all the dough. And it's very dangerous and it can, it can ruin your bread. He's saying, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples are fighting about whose fault that it is that they forgot the bread. It's your fault. You didn't bring lunch. You were supposed to get to lunch. Who's supposed to get to lunch? This was still a carnal bunch of people, ladies and gentlemen. We think of St. Peter. And we think of all the disciples in Matthew. And This was a carnal bunch of Christians. But guess what? God still chose to work through them. That gives me and Joyce hope. Amen? That gives me and George hope. That gives me and Carol and I hope. Is that right? One of those. Thank you. I got it. I knew I'd get it. That gives us hope because God can use carnal people. God uses carnal people. Notice this here, verse 15. They crossed the lake. Jesus warned, watch out. Verse 16. At this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Verse 17. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Now, this is hard for us to understand but because we don't speak Aramaic. Anybody in the house speak Aramaic? I don't think so. Maybe, maybe not. So in Aramaic, the word for bread and the word for leaven are identical except one letter. The very last letter is different. And so Jesus is talking about leaven, yeast, and the disciples think he's still scolding them because they didn't bring any bread. And so Jesus is going back trying to explain the situation. Verse 17, why are you arguing about having no bread? Do you know, don't you know, don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Say that last line with me, ready? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Jesus is saying, boys, you're missing the point. Now go down to verse 18. You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? The boys are fighting about not having lunch. They have one loaf. How many of Jesus can feed thousands with seven? He can take care of 12 men with one loaf. Jesus says, you boys still don't have it. You still not figured it out. Look at verse 19. Eight. Here we go. When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets left over did you pick up? 12, they said. At least they were paying attention that day. Look at verse 20. He goes on and says, when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of, of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. 
So gone down to verse 21, and then we're going to stop here and dive. And he said, don't, don't you understand yet? Don't you understand yet? And so here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. What is Jesus referring to as the leaven of the Pharisees? I begin to ask myself this question. What, what is the yeast of the Pharisees? Jesus said, watch out for it. Don't you think we should watch out for it? The same spirit that drove the Pharisees in that day is still alive in the church today. And as Pastor Randy taught a few weeks ago, the Pharisees would basically take God's law. They loved God. They were zealous for God. They were religious people. But they would take the word of God, the commandments of God, and they would superimpose their own laws. And it would become a weight around the neck of the Jewish people because they wanted people to follow God. They wanted people to do what was right, but they added to God's grace. They added to God's law. And so if the spirit of the Pharisees was alive 2,000 years ago, it's alive today. So if Jesus told his followers, watch out, he said it twice, watch out. Don't you think we should watch out? What are we looking out for? What is the yeast of the Pharisees? What is the leaven of the Pharisees? There are many things that it could be, and I'm going to give you a few that I think leaven could represent. But this morning I'm going to spend really the, the topic on, on one one item. So let me give you lurking leaven to look to leave out. Ready? Lurking leaven. You know how hard it was to come up with that one? Lurking leaven to leave out. Would you say that we just because it's so fun? Lurking leaven to read out. You all have never had a pastor that loved alliteration as much as I do. Lurking leaven. I, I'll spend more time working on alliteration than I do the sermon, praise God. And I'm just, I'm just, te- Gail looked at me like, seriously? No, I'm just teasing. Here's a joke. Lurking leaven to leave out. What can we leave out? What should we look out for? And I'm going to spend most of this morning, the last few minutes we have here, on, on really one item that, that I feel just alarmed in my heart. And again, this is not going to make you jump up and down and run around the building, but this is so needed because it is so dangerous. Number one, the first thing we need to leave out, the lurking leaven of the Pharisees is false doctrine. False doctrine. Now, when you go home and you, your friends say, how was church today? You can tell them with excitement. We talked about false doctrine, praise God. You can tell them with some enthusiasm. Now, those of you that are new to church, haven't been around, you're like, what is this word doctrine? It sounds like a weird word. Doctrine simply is a set of beliefs. Doctrine is a set of principles that guide us. Whether you know it or not, you live by a certain doctrine. You live by certain core values. You live by a certain set of beliefs. So look at Matthew chapter 16. This is the same story. Matthew pulls a little bit more out, and I want you to see verse 11. Jesus said, why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Say yeast of the Pharisee. Look at verse 12. And then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about yeast in the bread, but about the deceptive teaching. Somebody say deceptive teaching. He was talking about the deceptive teaching, the false doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So this is summarized this way. The Pharisees added to God's grace. They added works to the law. The New Testament dozens of times, dozens of times warns us against false teachers and false doctrine. False teachers and false doctrine. I started to list them all, and I was honestly just too tired to put them all on the screen because there's so many warnings against false teachers and false doctrines. 
When's the last time you heard a sermon or someone preach about being careful, being aware of false doctrines? Now, I want to tell you something here. I don't mean this in a negative way. If you know folks in these denominations and religions, please don't take it any, any way, you know, that, that's not appropriate. But as I was researching this, I found more teachings against false doctrines from the Church of Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a couple of other churches that are different than us. They don't have the same core values. And I'm telling you, I found more teaching on them about false doctrine, and most of it was about us. That's right. But they take it serious because it's important. They feel like false doctrine is coming into the purity of the church. And so they teach about it. They publish articles about it. But the American church, we don't talk about false doctrine because we don't want to isolate. We don't want to push anybody down. We don't want to offend anyone, so we don't talk much about false doctrine. But it is creeping into the church like an epidemic. And I care about you. I care more about you than what you think of me. I have to do that. And so I have to tell you the truth. I have to speak this to you because I don't want any one of you to fall prey to false doctrine. I know people who have fallen away and walked away from the truth and now they're following some crazy <coughs> false doctrine. And so because I care about you, I don't want that to happen. So let's look at some scriptures. Are you ready? Is this okay? All right, 2 Timothy, check this out. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. See if this sounds familiar, church. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching or sound doctrine. They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Look at the next verse. In verse 4 it says this. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Scripture says there's coming a time. We are now in that time. Would you look at your neighbor and say, we are in that time. We are in that time, and if you're not careful, you will be enticed away by a gospel message that sounds so good and so appealing and takes all the responsibility off of you and takes all the commitment away because that's the easy way, and it's so easy to fall away from that. Now, false doctrine is also called heresy. So y'all can feel like you've been in Bible school today. False doctrine is also called heresy. Don't ask me to spell it because I can't. But it's all, it's, it's a way that you identify the real versus the fake. Look at 1 John 4. Look at some of these warnings here against false doctrine. Now, everybody smile. Be excited. Even though we're talking about false doctrine. 1 John 4 1 says this. Dear friends, do not believe everyone. My, 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 my. We could stop right there. Do not believe everyone. Scripture says, who claims to speak by the Spirit. Remember a, a few minutes ago, and I told you I heard that Christian song come on. Didn't know it was a Christian song, but I knew to pause the radio because something within me clicked and said, this is good. I can, I, you can feel what's coming out of that radio, whether it glorifies God or not. I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but, but I can. It says, dear friends, but be, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Just because somebody says, thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean thus saith the Lord. we got to be careful here. You must test to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. Yeah, they got a spirit, all right. They're full of some kind of spirit, but it ain't God. Notice it, for there are many, somebody say many, false prophets in the world. Verse 2, this is how we know. Well, then, Pastor James, how do we know? How do I know what's real? How do I know the false? 
This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges Jesus Christ came in a real body and, and the, that person has the Spirit of God. And there was a big thing in this day where they were saying Jesus wasn't real. Remember, this is many, many, many years after the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, John wrote his gospels very late after the resurrection and people were now coming saying that wasn't real, that didn't happen. Jesus didn't really raise from the dead. He never came in a real body. And look at the next verse in verse 3. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've been warned about. You've heard the spirit of the Antichrist is coming. Guess what? That spirit of the Antichrist is here already. And we live in a day. I'm not saying the Antichrist is here, but the spirit of the Antichrist. What does anti mean? against the spirit against Christ we live in a day have you watched the news have you watched television have you watched any movies lately we live in a day where people are against Christ we live in a society full of the Antichrist so here's where it gets really good are you ready I'm gonna I'm gonna step on everybody's toes this morning we're gonna look at some modern false doctrines so the false doctrine in this day that this was written was they were claiming Jesus never came. He never really raised from the dead. They were claiming that he wasn't really God. What are some false doctrines that we must be aware of today? I want to briefly touch on a few of these. Number one is an overemphasis on prosperity. Now, I know I just deflated everybody in the room because everybody in the room wants to be rich. I heard a preacher this week say, nobody is rich, but everybody knows somebody that is rich. And this is what he also said. If you have running water, if you have running water, how many of you in this house have running water? I can tell this section of here didn't shower today. I can tell maybe they don't have running water. If you have running water, I'm teasing section over here. If you have running water, you are wealthier than 90% of everybody that lives on planet Earth. If you have running water. So don't, don't say that we are not blessed and don't say that we are not prosperous because we are. And I love prosperity we probably triple the church tomorrow if I preach more the way some folks preach prosperity. But you know what? I'm, I'm more about provision than I'm prosperity. God is way more concerned about your provision, meeting your needs and providing for you. And I love prosperity. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But a, there's a false doctrine out there today that is an overemphasis of prosperity. It's emphasized too much. Give to this and you'll get this. Give to this and you'll get this. Need a new car? Give away your old one and God will give you a Ferrari. Listen, I've given away a car and I have not yet received a Ferrari. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way, okay? Now, didn't Matthew 6, didn't Jesus warn against storing up treasures on earth, but he said store up treasures in heaven. In Matthew 25, Jesus emphasized our need to resource the poor. He emphasized giving to the poor. Look here in 1 Corinthians 7. Look what Paul said about avoiding this present age. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 31. Check this out. It says this, 1 Corinthians 7, 31. Those of you who use the things of the world, those of you who use the things of the world, how many of that applies to you in this house? How many of you use the things of the world? How many of you are sitting in a chair right now? You're using the things of the world. Can we try it again? How many of you use the things of the world? Okay, 100%. I'm going to keep going until you help me, amen? Notice this here. Those of you who use the things of the world, it doesn't say that's a bad thing, but look what it says. Should not become attached to them. Do you have possessions or do possessions have you? 
That's the danger with this overemphasis on prosperity. It's things have you instead of you having things. If I have things, then I can give them away if I need to. I've, I brought a pair of shoes today to let someone look at. We bought them. They were the wrong size. We could take them back. But you know what? I could also give them away. Things don't have me. I have things. And so notice this here, those of you who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. Didn't James chapter 2 and verse 5 say the kingdom of God is reserved for those uh, who maybe even though they're poor in this world, they're rich in faith? So there's an overemphasis about throwing money in an offering plate, giving money to a ministry. You know why I give to Brook and Tyler? Because I want to see college students saved, not because of what I think I might get out of it. Because I, wanna, I want my little daughter to grow up one day and have a great place to go to school if she chooses to go to UT. Because there's college students every day leaving the faith and we can do something about it. I'm not giving to them because I'm hoping for some return. I just want God to meet my needs. I just want God to provide for my family. The next one is, the next false doctrine is, is this hyper grace. This hyper Grace. Let me try to explain this because this is also an epidemic. This says that you can sin all that you want to after you're born again and you'll never walk away from God. You'll never backslide. Once God punches your ticket to heaven, you can do anything that you want to do and there's no consequences for your sin. There's a, it's a hyper grace. Now, there's a balance. We've got to be balanced here. Just because you sin doesn't mean you need to get reborn again tomorrow, okay? How many know I'd be getting re reborn again all the time, praise God? Just because you sin, you don't get resaved. I'm not saying that. But there are consequences for sin, walking a path that God didn't choose. Look at Romans 6.1. Check this out. Paul makes it very clear. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Oh, we've got God's grace. Can't we just keep on sinning so we can get more and more grace? Absolutely not, verse 2 says. Certainly not. Check this out. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? How many of you know you only practice things you want to be good at? Don't be practicing sin because it's also, you only practice something you want to do well in. There you go, Susan. Now notice this here. This hyper grace says that you no longer need to confess your sins. I've heard preachers stand up and say, you don't have to confess your sins. Every sin, past, present, future is forgiven, which is true. That's true. What I call this is truth mixed with error. That's not, that's not necessarily incorrect, but it's incomplete. First John 1 John 1.9 says if we confess, and that's, it's a continual tense. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Now, let me say this, because I don't, I don't have time to untie these. I'm just telling you to watch out for these. I, I don't have time to build. I could take a week or two, or, or I could take 10 weeks on each one if we're honest about it. But what I'm telling you is, is that you need to watch out for these false doctrines because God's grace, we, when confession is not for God, when I confess my sins, it's for me. Uh, confession is the word homologeo. It means to say the same thing as. When I'm confessing my sin, I'm saying God says that's a sin, so I say that's a sin. How many know when you confess your sins, it's not when God finds out about it. He already knew confessing my sins is not for God, it's for me. It keeps my heart pure and keeps my heart tender before the Lord. There's another hyper grace that says, well, it's grace plus works. See, the pendulum is way over here where it's just all grace. Do whatever you want to do. doesn't matter. Past, present, future, you're saved. And then there's the pendulum way over here that says it's grace plus. 
It's not grace plus. It's grace and faith alone. It's not grace plus works. It's not working for earning or deserving. It is God's grace, and we receive it in faith. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Look at this, Ephesians 2. Salvation is not a reward. Would you say that with me? Ready? Read. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can brag or boast about it. Look at verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. Verse 8 says you are saved by grace when you believed. You're saved by grace through faith, so you can't take credit for it. So we've got to be cautious because there's teaching out there about this hyper grace where it's way over here, it's way over here, and it's in the middle. I'm saved by grace, but I'm saved unto good works. There's the balance. You ready? I'm saved by grace, but once I'm saved, I'm expected to work. Saved people serve people. Loved people love people. Whole and healed people help people. Can I have an amen? So yes, I'm saved only by God's grace and my faith in that gift. But once I'm saved, I'm saved unto good works. There's a real balance there. Look at the next false doctrine we're going to be aware of. It's an overestimation of man. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not all that special. Scripture said I came from dust. I know what John 15, 5 says. I can do nothing apart from Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the branches. You are the vine. You can do nothing apart from me. Say this with me. Say, I can do nothing apart from Jesus. I heard a preacher one day, Rick. I won't say his name because it wouldn't do that. But I heard a preacher saying, and I had to turn it off. He was just going on and on about man and how, how good we were and how, how much we deserved everything that God had given us. And there's a false doctrine out there which, which overestimates man and his abilities. We are what we are because of the grace of God. We came from dust and we're going back to dust. God breathed into us and that's what gives us life. God breathed in John 20, the breath, and we were, we were, the disciples were born again. They were regenerated. But everything we are is because of him. If you read the gospel in Romans, Paul started with God and worked toward man. He didn't start with man and work up to God. So we need to be cautious. Psalm 8, 4 says, what is man that you are mindful of him? But look, at your, look at your neighbor and say, you, you are but dust. I didn't say you're butt dust. I said you are butt dust. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you will catch that driving home. Brooke and Tyler, next time you fight, you can say, you're butt dust. Hallelujah. <laughs> they don't fight. Praise God. Which one are we on? All right, number three. I got four. I got to hurry. Y'all okay? Nobody's in a hurry, right? It's just Memorial Day weekend. What could be better than this? Praise God. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach because I'm excited. I was gone last week. If you need to leave, I love you. Go ahead and leave. I'm not, I'm not done. Praise God. No offense if you need to leave. I mean that. I'm serious. <laughs> I wasn't here last week. I've got a lot to say. Check this out, number four. Do we have a number four? Jared's like, nope, sermon's over. <laughs> here it is, ready? Challenging the authority and authenticity of God's word challenging the authority notice this and the authenticity of God's word I won't spend much time on this but there's a doctrine out there that says how do you really know the Bible's true how do you really know what the Bible says really happened look at all these discrepancies look at all these contradictions how do we really know the Bible says in first Thessalonians 2 it says we never stopped thanking God when we received his message from us 
You didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. They were accepted among you as the very words of God, which they were. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is is inspired by God, is breathed by God. There is an attack on the authority and an attack on the authenticity of God's Word. It must be our rule for faith and practice. Can I have an amen? This is what our Assemblies of God teaches. It's one of our fundamental truths. And it says this, the scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, are verbally inspired of God, and they are revelations of God to man. They are infallible. They are the authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe it. I'm banking my whole life on the word of God. I don't need to add to it or take away. It's what we need. But how many of you know that if you watch the Discovery Channel, dear me, I'm not condemning you for that. There's some okay stuff on there. But boy, they will challenge you. And if you are not strong in your faith, you walk away going, oh, maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe it's not all true. Then you start picking what's true and not. But it's the authority and authenticity of God's word. Is that good? That's a false doctrine we need to be aware of. Here's the next one. We're going to move through this quick. Signs and wonders and miracles have passed away. There's a prominent teacher has hundreds of hundreds and hundreds, maybe we'll say thousands of followers, has a large church, and he will stand up and tell you, he's written books in there in every Christian bookstore you go to, and he will stand up and tell you that signs and wonders and miracles have passed away. Listen, you're too late for me. I've already experienced so much of God. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and the day and forever. They needed miracles in, we need them now. Can I have an Amen. We've got to be aware of that false doctrine. There's another false doctrine that says the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as we see in the book of Acts, have ceased. Mainly the prophetic utterance gifts, words of prophecy, speaking in other tongues, as the Bible calls it. There are people that tell you that all oh, that passed away with the apostles. They say speaking in unknown tongues is not for today. Well, it's you're too late. I've already spoken unknown tongues today, so it is for today. Can I have an Amen. But there are those that will tell you that it is ceased. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the scripture they use. They'll say, now the Bible says this. They'll say, that happened in Acts. They spoke in unknown tongues in Acts, and, and that happened then. But when the apostles died, that went away with them. Notice what the Bible says, and this is what they point to. It says, love never fails. How many of you agree with that? Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, that's what the Bible calls in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, they began to speak in languages of, of, of heavenly languages and angels that they didn't know, and it was translated, and all those around could hear. It's a marvelous thing. It says, if there are tongues, they will cease. See, the Bible says tongues will cease. See, the Bible says prophecies will cease. Keep reading your Bible. Look what it says. If there's knowledge, it will be done away. Has knowledge ceased I think we have more technology today than we did 10 years ago. My very first flash drive, and if you don't know what that is, you need to get with the times, praise God. See, Pastor Randy later, he'll tell you what it is. was 64 megabytes. I can't put one video on a 64 megabyte flash drive now. Yeah, Bob's going all the way back to floppy disk. Bob's like, what's this computer thing that you speak of? So, of course, knowledge has not ceased. Love has not ceased. So how can we say 
that the gifts of prophecy and the gifts of tongues have ceased. Notice here on that same scripture what it says. For we know in part because we prophesy in part. Now look at verse 10. Here's how I know that love and knowledge and prophecy and the gifts of the Holy Spirit demonstrated in Acts chapter 2 have not passed away because of this passage. Check this out. But when the perfect comes, that's the Lord Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. When the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When we are in eternity with the Lord, we won't need the gifts of prophecy. We won't need knowledge. We won't need the gifts of tongues because we're with the perfect one in the perfect eternity. And so there are those that will tell you that it is past. Now, let me just say this. I, I know, I know not everybody in the room has this background. So I'm not trying to condemn you or put anything on you. I'm just telling you that, in my view, these are false doctrines. We need to be careful and look around. And if you have questions, let this. if this makes you mad, let it make you mad enough to get into the Bible to find out what it really says. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Can I have an amen? Talk to us. Set up an appointment. Let's spend time. Let's talk through these. Now, Sunday afternoon at 12.15 when we're packing up is not the time to ask me, okay? But if you can ask me and ask any of our staff, and we want to share this things with you because we believe that these are false doctrines coming into the church. We need to be aware. Number seven, rejecting a literal hell. Jesus said, Matthew 5.22, you could be in danger of hellfire. And this is, I wrote this in my notes and it sounded very profound. So I'm going to read it just like I wrote it. Jesus spoke often about hell. There's a teaching that says there is not a, a, a literal hell out there. There's a teaching that says Jesus' sacrifice uh, brought salvation for everyone, no matter what, that you don't have to believe. But Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Salvation was paid for for every man and every woman. But we have to personally accept and believe and receive. Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a false doctrine that says you don't have to be saved or born again. Everybody's going to heaven because hell doesn't exist. We've got to be cautious. Jesus said, watch out for the fires of hell. Listen to this. Jesus would not say we could be in danger of hellfire. Somebody say, hellfire. You're not cussing. You're just reading the Bible. Come on, say, hellfire. Jesus said we would be in danger of hellfire if there were not hellfire to be in danger of. Everybody go, hmm. I thought that was very profound when I wrote that. Jesus would not say we would be in danger of hellfire if there were not hellfire to be in danger of. Everybody go, hmm, do it again. There we go. A couple more here. The age of the apostles and prophets have passed away. There's a false doctrine out there, number eight, that says the office of the apostle and the office of the prophet, number eight, has passed away. Look at Ephesians 4 and 11, and we're going to wrap this up. How many know it's not good when I go on vacation? Come back full of the Lord. Look at this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Oh, I love this passage because I'm a gift to you. <laughs> these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility, catch this here. David's going to like this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. My responsibility is not to do all the ministry. Every member in the room is a minister. Every member of the body of Christ is a minister. My job is not, I'm not supposed to be a doer. I'm supposed to be a discipler. My job as a leader is to equip you. It's not to do everything. So many pastors get that wrong. But we are a team here at this church, and we work together, and I want to equip you and help you and build you up to do the work God has called you to do. So God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Look at verse 13. 
This will continue. Somebody say this will continue. Somebody else say it a little bit louder so I know you're still awake. Say this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not there. There's more divisions and denominations than you can shake a stick at. We are not there in the unity of faith. Therefore, the office of the apostle and prophet has not passed away. Last couple of ones here. Jesus was not human. He was only God. Or vice versa. Jesus was not really God. He was only human. I won't read it. Hebrews 4 says we have a high priest who was tempted in all ways as we are tempted. Jesus is, listen very closely. Here's the false doctrine. Right? Jesus is the door. He's not a door. He's the door. We've got to be cautious of that false doctrine. And then the last one is this false doctrine that we must be politically correct to reach people. Look with me at Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, that we must be politically correct. Now, we're not talking about just hurting people or being mean or being rude. Paul said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. But these are some false doctrines. This is some leaven of the Pharisees along with this, hypocrisy, pride, malice, unbelief, sin. These are all leaven of the Pharisees. Jesus said, watch out. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to watch out and be aware. Amen? Now, if in sharing those false doctrines, you're not sure what the actual doctrine is, please come and get with us. We want to talk to you. We'll give you resources. We'll help you because we want to learn and grow together. Amen? Amen. Did I make anybody mad today? No? I'll keep preaching. Tom. i got to make somebody mad today. Let's pray together, okay, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for hanging with us. I know we went a little longer today. But coming, Carrie's coming back. Amen. You know, I'll say this. I believe that things I shared today, although you may not know all or understand all, my guess is they clicked in your heart. They resonated. They bared witness with you. And I'm not trying to talk you out of what you believe or not believe. I'm just saying we need to be cautious and make sure we're following the truth of God's Word. So I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads and, and I, here's how I want us to close this time together. I'm not going to have anybody in the house repent this morning for believing false doctrines. I don't think we're there. I, don't, I, I didn't preach this this morning because I thought we all are chasing fads and false doctrines. But here's, my, here's what I want to point out as we close this session today. Now don't, don't check out on me. Don't leave. Don't go to the pool later. Don't go to the cookout later. Check out. You know, don't check out. Stay with me for a minute. Jesus said, are your hearts so hard that you don't understand? And I want to leave us this morning with asking God to soften our heart because we want to know his truth. We want to know his truth. If you're in this house this morning, the truth is there is a real heaven and there's a real hell. And the truth is Jesus did pay the price and he rose from the dead on the third day and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and if you will confess that with your mouth the Bible says you can be saved you can no longer be an enemy of God but you can be a friend of God if you don't know if you died tonight if you would go to heaven or hell please do not leave this building without making that decision John 3 Jesus said you must be born again Jesus is not a way. He is the way. The only way to God the Father is through His love that was given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
And it's grace and faith plus nothing. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You can come to the Lord just as you are. He will never turn you away because he loves you so much. If you're in this house this morning and you want to surrender your life to Christ and you want to make a public confession that Jesus is now your Lord and you believe in him, we want to pray with you. Would you slip up your hand today and let us pray with you? Anybody in the building this morning? Anybody say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my life over to Christ. I want to follow him. I want to choose him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're all believers this morning. That's great. Praise God for that. We've got a lot of empty seats that need to be filled. Would you say, Pastor James, I want God to keep my heart soft. I want my heart soft so I can be open to his truth. I want to know his truth. I want to know what is really the spirit of God. I want to soft. I want to keep my heart soft before the Lord. Would you slip your hand up this morning? All over the building. We want soft hearts. I want to ask Sister Gail to come and pray. Let's all stand. Grab the hand of your neighbor if you can. Don't be afraid. We got Germex out there in the hallway. Let's pray together. Let's pray that God will soften our hearts, that we will be able to hear his voice. We'll be sensitive to the Lord. Miss Taryn, I love you so much. We want to shake your hand at the end as we leave. And we're so thankful to have you here on this Memorial Day weekend. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we're so thankful that we can come and we can hear the truth. We can hear warnings. Lord, we know that there are many voices out there in this world today. There's many teachings. There are many who step up and say, I have the truth and you have been deceived. But I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, that is our teacher and our God. Uh, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truths. And I thank you, Lord, that one of the gifts of the Spirit that works in us is discernment. Lord, and if we put the truth in us, if we read your word, and Lord, we know that it's uh, it's rightly divided by the Holy Spirit. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that, God, you will lead your children into all truths. We thank you for that protection, Lord. And we just ask you right now that as we go out these doors and we go into, Lord, the onslaught of the lies of the devil and the one that wants to cheat us out of the good things that you've given us and out of that strength and out of that wisdom, Lord, we just pray that we will forever know that the light of the world was Jesus Christ, that that light has led us out of darkness, that that lies of Satan has led us into darkness, but the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the word made flesh and dwelled among us. He lives in us and we have that truth and we thank you for it. We pray blessings and favor on the people of God today and we pray for protection, for safety in all things that they're doing and God, I just give you glory this morning and I thank you and I ask you, Lord to be with us in Jesus name we pray, amen.